Hello and welcome to yet another episode of Disproportionate Podcast. It's season two. It's episode nine, I believe. Oh, we're, ta- we're you know we're, we're we're tottering away now, aren't we? We're totting those episodes up. Uh, we're in a, a couple of days behind where I wanted to be. I'll be honest. At this stage of the week, it's been a very busy week. We've got a whole bunch of stuff to cover, uh, including such topics as naughty fines. We're going to talk about fussy pets. Have you got a, a fussy pet, fussy cat, fussy dog? We're going to be talking about it. Uh, we're going to talk about all matter of charlatans. We're going to be talking about uh, clairvoyance. We're going to be talking about psychics. Uh, we're going to talk about the National Lottery. We've got an update for you as well on Bingate. If you remember, we uh, missed Bin Day for the two weeks directly after Christmas. And, uh, you know, any other time of the year missing the bin for two weeks, that would be a problem. After Christmas, good grief, it's been difficult. But I have an update for you. It's a positive one. All of that plus Botty, that's best of the internet, small gripes core, and this week's big question. All that and much, much more uh, to come over the next eh, 40 minutes, maybe, let's say. Uh, so stick with us. And now we've talked about that. That's the intro done, isn't it? Right, let's get started. Oh guys, I've got a I've got a bin update for you. If you remember last week I was talking about the fact that we missed two weeks worth of wheelie and recycling collection after Christmas. Normally that would be a problem. Missing one week is terrible and it's almost impossible to catch up and get rid of all your bags, but missing two weeks directly after Christmas, good grief. It was difficult. We were positively swimming in cardboard sellotape and wrapping paper and the packages from those Christmas foods. The good news is in week three, oh, we remembered. We remembered to get rid of those bins. We remembered to put them out. It was all collected. Uh, but we had such a backlog. I had to go out like a ninja. I chose the night before they were picked up, which is what I'd normally do, but I was in luck, guys, because it was a particularly windy night. There was a bit of a storm here in Teesside. The wind was deafening. You couldn't hear your TV for the wind outside, and I thought, this is a nightmare because I'm going to have to go out in it. But it is the perfect opportunity to get rid of all these bags. You know what I did? I waited until about two in the morning. Everyone's bins were out, ready for the next morning bin collection. And I went out and I deposited, <laughs> what, 12, 13 black bags? Like I said, our, our side alley was a disgrace. Clean them all, got rid of the lot. Just literally utilising the space remaining in pretty much every bin on our street to get rid of those black bags. Good grief. If practitioners of ninjutsu had seen me, they would have been proud of the way I was tiptoeing around. You know, I was using visual distraction techniques. I was doing little runs on tiptoes. I may as well have carried a samurai sword with me. I was, let me tell you, using the dark arts of bin management. It was incredible. Oh, I was pushing down people's remaining bins with gloves on, of course. Nice pair of pink marigolds. Are they still called marigolds when they're pink? I don't know. They were pink gloves anyway. But I put them on, bit of a germaphobe. I was pushing people's bin bags down to fit I was in. Some people, I don't know what they do. I opened some people's wheelie bins and there was nothing in there. There was like a black bag in the bottom. Are you, are you using no perishable waste during the week? I don't know how you're managing it. There's only three of us, two adults and a child in this house. 
we easily get through three black bags, which, you know, might not be ideal. But, uh, yeah, some people, I I've got no idea what they use. Is it everything they, like, are they breaking the bank? Everything they buy is, you know, eco-friendly and uh, locally sourced and comes in no wrapping. I don't, I don't understand how you manage to go full seven days and create one black bin bag full of waste, but I am very grateful for those people because they enabled me to get rid of the backlog. But one thing I did notice, guys, I've known it before, but it was brought to light when I was having to distribute 12, 13 bin bags, was uh, how possessive people are of their bin bag space and of their wheelie bins in general. In the run, you know, I was being very, uh, very tactical in my distribution of the bin bags. I was looking for the people who had lights off and I couldn't possibly be spruced. Do you know, by the way, it's not illegal or, or it might be considered poor form, but there's nothing wrong with you utilising the space in other people's wheelie bins when they've already put them out. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. I checked before doing it. I can tell you, if people catch on to your ruse and they see what you're up to, I noticed on two occasions during that, let's say, 20 minutes it took to deposit the bags, people will actively show you, listen, I'm still awake. I'm out here. I will, I will open the front door. One guy clearly realised what I was doing and came out onto his front doorstep to, to make sure I didn't deposit any bin bags in his wheelie bin. He's already used it. He's used all the space he needs to. He's put it out for the morning. What does he care? Let me tell you, if there's ever a situation where there's bin space left in our bin, I don't mind someone using it for an extra black bag they can't get rid of. But there's some people on the street, good heavens, they're very territorial, re-their bins, but that's your bin update, we've got rid of it all, we got rid of the recycling, most of the toy boxes are gone, but all of the bin bags, gone. I would be happy to show Sarah Beanie, Dion Dublin, any of those properties under the hammer kind of people, our side alley again now. Proudly, happily, no more disgrace about the amount of rubbish being down there. Okay, guys, we need to talk about fussy pets. Have you, uh, have you got a cat? You got a dog? Is that cat or dog relatively well behaved? Very much well loved member of the household. Okay, I'm sure they are. But answer me this. Do they, for no apparent reason, get super, super fussy and specific about what kind of food they are prepared to eat? And if you don't provide it, they will go on hunger strike and pester you flipping endlessly. That's what our cat's doing. I don't, I don't know where it's come from. He's always been a bit like this, but over the last two months, I feel like I'm tearing my hair out and, you know, I, uh, I don't have much hair, I'll be honest. I uh, keep the head shaved. Because, uh, let's say there's a bit of an Alan Shearer island in the sun situation starting to appear. I not got room to be tearing hair out. There isn't enough of it as it is. So my cat needs to chill out. Let me tell you what he does, right? He gets fixated on a specific brand or type of food. And he'll eat that one and he'll eat no other. Now, unless I'm going to that supermarket, or even if I go to that supermarket, if it's out of stock... He pretty much goes on hunger strike and will not invest or be interested in anything else I put out for him. So, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we got a, we, we normally have a bit of ham in the fridge, you know, our daughter likes a good old ham sandwich for a bit of lunch now and then. So we had a pack of ham and we'd run out with cat food and I couldn't get any more till the morning. 
So I've got hold of two or three, four slices of ham, you know, quite thick stuff. And I chopped it up, I diced it, and I put it in his bowl. And let me tell you, he demolished it in record speed and then begged for it for the next 24 hours. Despite the fact that we had cat food, I'd put the cat food out for him. The one that he loves, the brand that he loves, insists that I get non-verbally. Or not in a language I could understand anyway. And then just refused to touch it, went on full hunger strike for a good 24 hours. Until I put the ham out for him again and he walloped it. And now, it doesn't seem to matter what I put out. I could pick his favourite food, I could get him cat treats, I could get him, you know, those little packets of a... It's almost like a pate, it's like a, a reduction, a jus, a sauce that incorporates a whole bunch of stuff that he'd like. But unless I put that ham out, he will not stop wowling. And it, it's driving me to distraction. It's got to the point where I will set upstairs in my office of an evening and watch films in there just so that he can't endlessly bug me while I'm downstairs in the living room. I'm trying to watch things casually sat on the settee and I will just be flipping wild at. And I'm not just talking about a regular meow, give me some food. Oh, we're used to that in this house. He moves it up a notch every time he feels like he's being ignored because you've already put food out for him. And you'll get the... You know those videos, those viral videos of cats making that noise when there's genuinely something wrong? He does that, but not for any big reason. Just because he'd really like some ham. He's a flipping maniac for ham, our cat absolute maniac i've considered just stopping buying cat food and only buying bumper packs family packs let's say of uh of that cheap ham he, he won't eat anything else i know it's not good for him so i don't want to keep just feeding him that he's a cat oh we have that back and forth sometimes i'll put the food out it'll come it'll sniff at the ball look as if he's gonna be interested and give it a couple of licks and they'll just look up at me and walk away and i know he's waiting for the ham and i don't want to give him it I want to be like, you're a cat. That is cat food. Eat the cat food. You won't do it. You won't do it. How do you stop it? Listen, what's that dude called? You know that My Cat From Hell or whatever? There's a dude with a goatee who has a guitar. He does a very specific program about uh, how to get on top of unruly cats. He's a bit of an unruly cat. He's a bit of a nutter. But this ham addiction, good grief. We're not far off. We're a couple of weeks off an intervention. We're all going to have to sit down in the living room. He's going to walk in from being outside. And he's going to be like, oh, no. What's going on here? I'm going to be saying, listen, kimchi, we uh, we need to talk. I like ham as much as the next man. We all like it in a sandwich. Some of us like it in a salad. But, uh, you know, if you're using it every... I'm going to use the word using. If you're using it every day and insisting on nothing but, you know, it's going to become a problem. It's going to become a problem. You know, you start out with ham. That's an entryway meat, isn't it? It's like the cannabis of the drug world. Where are you going to end up? You're going to be insisting on gammon. You're going to be insisting on pork steaks. It's not financially doable and it's bad for you, boy. It's bad for you. You're going to end up in a, in cat prison if you don't watch your ways. You're going to be out there stealing to pay for your ham addiction. And, you know, we don't want that for you. We don't want it for you. Yeah, kimchi. I mean, ham's good, but is ham even that good? I wouldn't mind so much if it was like expensive, high-end Marks and Spencer's Simply Ham, but it's not. It's bog-standard ham, and he just can't get enough of it. I don't know what to do. Where do we go from here? He's already on hunger strike. I'm just worried in case he moves to dirty protest. I'm not dealing with that.
Guys, have you ever felt like something that's taken place has been wholly unjustified and unsanctioned? I'm going to tell you a little story right now, okay? About midway through December, I had a, an appointment in an, an adjoining town, a few towns away, let's say, uh, and I needed to get a bus and then a train to get to there because it's a bit out of the way. Uh, it's not a massively long journey, but it's a bit of a mess around to get there. So anyway, I... Uh, I'd set out more than enough time to get there to make sure I was on time for my appointment. It was an important one. Uh, and you would have to get a bus or a train. So I set out, even though it shouldn't take me more than an hour, an hour and a half to get there, two and a half hours early, okay? Uh, I get on the bus. I'm heading there to the train station. Three quarters of the way through the journey, the bus breaks down. And I thought, well, I've left enough time. This shouldn't be an issue. Let me tell you guys. It flipping was an issue. We were in the middle of nowhere and it took about an additional 40-45 minutes for a replacement bus to be sent out to pick up the passengers. Not only the annoyance of being surrounded by the kind of Doyles who would normally be getting that bus, playing flipping terrible, terrible grime music, bad techno loudly through their speakers, irritating the life out of me. At least 50% of the bus population flipping stank. I hate getting on buses. Uh, yeah, it was just very noisy, very inconvenient, and then there was people who clearly had nowhere to be, who were nonetheless getting very fed up and very vocal about it, as if it was the bus driver's fault, the bus had broken down. I was annoyed too, Vera, do you know what I mean? I was annoyed, Chantel. No need to get on the bus driver's back. Anyway, eventually the bus turns up, and I get there, and it's taken so long to get to the train station, but by the time I get there, the one that will get me there on time is already sat at the platform, ready to depart. So I charge up the stairs, flipping boost myself up there like a rocket. I get on the train, and I aboard the train and sit down, and it pulls out immediately. Now, I've done this journey several times over the last few months for, a, well, the same appointment, essentially, but on a different day. And every single time I've got on there, I've waited for the conductor to come down, I've paid for my return ticket. So I'm assuming there will be no issues. Here comes the conductor, and I say, oh yeah, return ticket to uh, to red car, please. He says, oh, you can't do that. I say, beg your pardon? He said, yeah, no, you can't do that. You have to buy your ticket before you get on the train. And, you know, I fight my corner a bit, but I've already been pretty beaten down by the, the, the taking away of time of waiting for the bus, of being stuck on there with those doils for 45 minutes. Uh, and so I don't fight my case anywhere near as much as I would have done normally. I would normally have said... In fact, I did say, I'll pay for my ticket now. Let's just do it. And he was like, no, 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 I'm sorry, I have to issue a fine. I was like, a fine? A fine for getting on a train and then paying for my ticket willingly. But he was like, no, no, it's it, you know, it's in the guidelines, you can't do that. You have to pay before and I'm going to have to issue a fine. It was a £20 fine which already I felt like my leg had been lifted, okay? I felt very vexed, very annoyed. I felt like this had not been communicated that this was a rule beforehand at all. Uh, and I asked around afterwards and apparently nobody else was aware that that was the case either. Uh, so anyway, he says he has to issue with me with a fine. I was like, right, I'll pay it now. And he said, oh no, you can't do that. Uh, I have to send it out. It, has to, it comes out in letter form. And so he started asking me for personal details that I would never never give out in that situation like my name like my address like my postcode so that they could send a fine letter to me normally 
I'd have been like, listen here, you mother crusher. Either let me pay my fare now, or let me pay the fine now, even though I think it's wholly unjustified, or I'll just get off at the next stop and we'll say more about it. But I've been so beaten down by the delays, by the 45 minute, ugh, wretched time on the bus with all of those mouth breathing people, that uh, in the end, I just gave in, I gave it out, and I was very annoyed with myself that I'd given my details out. Fast forward, okay, he gave this out to me, like I say, three quarters of the way through December, about a week until Christmas, so not ideal timing for a fine, but also meant that it wasn't on my mind whatsoever for the next week and a half, two weeks. Totally forgot about it. Two weeks later, early on in January, I get a letter saying that because they've had to wait for me to respond and dispute it, and then I hadn't, that period had passed, they'd had to <laughs> issue a letter. And so an administration fee had been added to knock it up to 55 quid. Apparently, guys, it cost £35 to send a letter. Who knew? I didn't know. So I was furious, and I thought, right, I'll put that there, I'll pay it when I get back. And then, promptly, we lost the letter. Could not find it for love and money, couldn't find the details of how to pay it without that code anywhere. Anyway, eventually, I dig out the letter, I dedicate an entire morning to finding it. Which, which flipping cutlery drawer, which junk drawer it might have been put in, I find it. And I find out that I have to ring. I have to ring, like we're living in the 1980s, phone someone to pay a fine. So anyway, I get on the phone and the first thing I hear is an automated message telling me that this line is a premium line and what, I will be charged 50p a minute for the call. I, d I nearly exploded. I nearly exploded. Not only am I got a completely unjustifiable fine, it was never mentioned that there would be a fine included if I did this thing. You've now... On top of that, put 35 quid on it because I didn't pay it immediately. And then you're going to charge me to ring up and pay the fine you've given me. I thought I'm going to lose my flipping mind here. Anyway, I'm punching my code, I get through. Lo and behold, guys, I must have missed the cutoff point by like another day, even though that hadn't been communicated again. And it was now £90. That's £10 off 100 I know those of you who uh, any grasp of numbers, you know that already. I, don't, I can't be losing a hundred quid right now. That's a lot of flipping cash. So anyway, I was primed to explode. But I thought, if I don't pay it right this second, we're going to forget again. It's going to go up again, again, again. So I paid it. Left there fuming. Two days ago, had to go to the very same appointment again. So I thought, I'm not getting caught out. I get there super, super early. No buses break down. I pay for my tickets. I am desperate to show this dude my tickets. I'm hoping it's that same guy. It's not. But I pay my tickets... Uh, before I get on the train, the guy has no interest in seeing my tickets, which would normally be a, a standard state of affairs, but I was fuming about it. I thought, you mother crusher. I got fined for not having a ticket. Now I've bought them, and this guy has no interest in seeing them whatsoever. And let me tell you what pushed me over the edge, guys. Four or five people in my carriage alone had not paid for their tickets on this particular journey before they boarded the train, and there was absolutely no issue with paying for them on the train. I was as close to being a domestic terrorist in that moment as I have ever been. I wanted to launch the flipping conductor, or it's to uppercut everyone that was paying for their tickets on the train. It, it just felt so unjustified. I felt like I'd been mugged off royally for 90 quid for paying the fine in the first place. I'd mugged myself off for giving out personal details, enabling them to send the letters. And then I'd been mugged off for 
actually not been an issue at all. And I just thought, did this guy just have an amount of fines he needs to give out over the month or something? Oh, good grief. Firstly, don't be giving out fines for that if you haven't communicated it. Secondly, don't you dare claim that it costs 35 quid to send a letter out. Thirdly, if there is a time span after which it'll go up, you need to communicate that. And fourthly, don't you dare have it be a phone line like it's the 1980s and then charge a premium rate to be on the phone to pay the fine that they've issued you with. Absolutely ridiculous. And if you do all that, there had better be the same taking place everywhere. I don't want to see other people getting fines. But I tell you what, if I've paid a 90 quid fine, then the thing I've been charged for, everybody else seems to be doing without any problem whatsoever. Good grief. I, I, had to, I had to put on, I am not this guy, okay? To keep myself calm on the train, I had to play like, not whale sounds, but it may as well have been relaxing whale sounds. I had to put on like a meditation, chill music thing, just to stop me from flipping, kicking the windows out from just doing a dirty protest in the train toilet. I was absolutely fuming. Yeah, so that's my story. The other day, guys, right, I was on Instagram, I was scrolling, dedicating a bit too much time to it the last few days, I'll be honest. And uh, I came across an account, you know, it shows you people you don't follow that you may be interested in. I don't know why it thought I may be interested, but it showed to me the account of Mystic Meg. I don't know if you remember Mystic Meg. She was like, ooh, mystical psychic who would help you predict which numbers would be coming out on the National Lottery this week. She was a, she was a central part of it in the late 90s, early 2000s. She'd come on, she'd be giving it... Ooh, a man who is tall and dark-haired will win. Uh, a man who has, I don't know, relations with the initials W and L will win the National Lottery. It was ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. You know what I realised and remembered? She was a psychic, apparently. So are you telling me that she had the ability herself to take part in the lottery, would have had it, and would have been able to predict the numbers, but just never took part? All the psychics, all the clairvoyants, all these people who can apparently see the future. And I don't believe we've had one of them that has ever won the National Lottery. This isn't shocking to me. I'm aware they're all charlatans. But I just wondered how the National Lottery got away without having someone on the show every week that was apparently a psychic and could see the future, but somehow was unable themselves to put the numbers on or to predict out loud what the numbers were. Are we to believe that the only reason Mystic Meg never won the National Lottery is because it'd be like a conflict of interest or something? She can't be a host on the show where she probably gets paid like a grand a week and that stopped her from winning like 50 million on a rollover. <laughs> I don't think so. Something feels a bit harsh about that. Just imagine if she had the ability to see the numbers in her mind but she's stuck with telling you things like a tall, dark stranger with the initials W and L who has a cat will win. Just give us the flipping numbers, Meg, if you've got access to them. Do you know what I mean? I think if you did a check, if we went back over the database, professions of people who have won the National Lottery, I'll be very surprised if at any point someone who considers themselves a psychic and advertises that as their job has ever won. Has ever won. 
Look, there's a reason that they're all doing flipping clairvoyant or psychic night with Doreen and Phyllis down at the working men's club. There's a reason none of them are millionaires. That's because they're flipping phonies, okay? Oh. And thinking about that took me on to a whole bunch of other stuff, including things like... <laughs> you know fortune tellers who rock up in your town centre, they're parked up there, and they're going to do a crystal ball reading for you in their traditional Romany caravan. They're beautiful looking things, I'll be honest. But... It's amazing. Every single one of them will have a sign on there out on a blackboard that says, like, as seen on TV, with no reference to where you might have seen them on TV whatsoever. You can't just say as seen on TV. Where was it? Was it on Rogue Traders? Was it on Crime Stoppers? Was a place she was as seen on TV as a kid in a flipping Bird's Eye Fish Fingers advert? You can't say as seen on TV with no reference to where that might have been. It could have been completely unrelated. It could have been as a dodgy person who is flipping scabbing people. Always have signs as well, don't they say like, granddaughter of Ethel Lee or whatever. And it's like, I mean, that's great, but I've got no idea who Ethel Lee is. That's point one. It's pointless telling me you are the granddaughter of someone I've never heard of as a selling point and no one else has ever heard of either. And secondly, where else does this happen? <laughs> you know, corner shop owners. Abdul puts up on his sign that flipping he's the grandson of Iqbal or whatever. What difference does that make to anything? What, my granddad was a great corner shop owner, so <laughs> I too must be. You must enter my convenience stores for your overpriced merchandise. I don't understand why that works, apparently, with tarot card readers and with crystal ball readers, but nobody else. When I lived in Newcastle up until about a year ago, I was sometimes in there for a run super early. I'd run right the way from our house through the city centre, you know, out the other side of it, and then I'd walk back and I'd always see the, uh, the gypsy caravan being set up for fortune telling. And what always cracked me up was to try and make it look like they were living this rustic life in this old fashioned caravan. But I'd see <laughs> that caravan arrive. Let me tell you guys, it wasn't on its own wheels. It was on the back of a gigantic, luxurious, I don't know, Range Rover. You know, the, the not the old green ones, the brand spanking new £50,000 white ones. You know, like a wag or whatever would drive. With a massive expensive trailer on the back of it. And then on the back of that trailer was the little caravan that they'd wheel down for the rest of the day and sit in the city centre. Seen a real uptake in this kind of thing lately, and last few years, I don't know what it is. Every third female, for some reason, is now a witch, believes themselves to be a witch, can do you a tarot card reading, and, and takes up weird hokey beliefs, like keeping a cat's whisker in the car to stave off some kind of car accident out on the, out on the roads. That does not keep off good luck. If you want to protect yourself, I don't know, just make sure you've got an airbag or something, maybe. I'm not sure a cat's whisker will do it, I'll be honest. I'm sure Monty would rather it was still attached to his face. That's another thing. How do they get those cat's whiskers? I don't... I've had cats my whole life. I don't think I've ever seen a cat's whisker just being left on the carpet. Have they plucked a whisker out of that cat? You know where this up uptake has come from, though, in all this kind of stuff, all these dark arts, is weirdness. Like I say, they're all into witchcraft, crystals, flipping every time they see a feather, 
they think that it's a message from flipping Auntie Doreen who died 20 years ago. It's just a feather. It's just a feather, Sharon, all right? I think you know someone's a witch or considers themselves a witch when uh, you go into their kitchen and they're shockingly low on, like, tarragon, oregano, mixed herbs, but they have the biggest bundle of sage you've ever seen in your life tied with a piece of string in the kitchen. Oh, they're not going to be running out of sage anytime soon, but it won't be going to meals. Oh no, they'll be burning it because they think that that horrible stench somehow is cleansing their home. I don't know if you've smelt burnt sage. That isn't cleansing anything, it's just making your entire house reek. As if you've uh, started off your bolognese early by putting the herbs in with the oil before you've put the onions or the garlic in. Sort it out, Sharon. I do have a certain amount of admiration, though, for tarot card readers. Because firstly, the places they will advertise their services, it's always like tarot card reading bookings available, and it's like in the doorway of your local newsagents on a post-it note stuck to the window. <laughs> and it's like, oh, your business model, wow, wow. All of those psychic abilities, all of that entrance and, and availability to enter a, a, a different world, a different way of looking at things, but you couldn't see that the best way to advertise your business possibly wasn't a Facebook page or a miscellaneous sun-bleached post-it note in a newsagent's window. I do admire, though, like I said, just the fact that the whole clairvoyant, psychic, tarot card reader, crystal ball readings, it's all based on people who are quite good at thinking on their feet and blabbing absolute BS while they're able to stare you straight in the face. What I'd say to them is, it's going to be a lot more lucrative for you if you just get into sales. It's the exact same thing. There are sales teams all over the world crying out for people who can sell a dream, overfinance something to Ethel on a front doorstep and make her worry about how she'll pay for it for the next six months. It's absolutely wild. Why nowadays does everybody think that a feather is a message from their Aunt Doris who died that a cat's whisker will protect them in a car journey? <laughs> but the idea of any, like, traditional idea of God or religion is horrendous to them. You might as well be saying that you're flipping far right if there's any mention of a traditional God. <laughs> Absolutely mental. Absolutely. So the earth exists, everything exists on it, but apparently the most credible forms of protection... Oh, no, 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 no. On the road, there's definitely not a seatbelt, definitely not an airbag. That cat's whisker is going to do it. Absolutely crazy. Absolutely crazy. Mystic Meg, I am not happy with you, okay? If you always had access to those numbers, I want a, I want a direct apology as to why you weren't dishing them out and were leaving us to rely on mystical flipping clues. Like the colour of someone's hair. Whether they are not the owner cat. Whether their curtains were lavender in colour. Absolutely mental. gents it is time for botty that's of course stands for best of the internet every week on disproportionate podcast we scour the globe we dredge deep water to find simply the finest petty grievances known to man from around this fine planet we live on 
Uh, this week is no different. Shall we go through some of the finest I could find this week? This one comes in from Steve. Stupid coffee and the fact I've started ordering it. I always used to rage about the hanker coffee orders, macchiacchi macchiato matcha with almond on soy, etc. Then a mate bought me a piccolo and I found out it was great and now I'm ordering it all the time, judging myself. I've become the hunker I used to rage about. This one's from Syrah. The fact I have to put on a weird accent when calling companies that use voice recognition to direct your call as they never understand my Geordie twang. And also, the fact that I have to use the phone to do that in the first place. This one from Ben, stepping on a loose curb and getting a muddy splash. Back up your leg. Horrendous. Lucy says airport lounges having a very strict dress code that won't allow shorts or football tops. We're going on holiday pan, pal, not to a business meeting. That's pretty fair. Richard says that nobody seems to be bothered about emptying the water at the bottom of the bog brush holder, so whenever you see it, you just spread... <laughs> you just spread cack and slash water all over before you get it down in the pan. David says, roll the blind cords. This has happened in every house I've ever lived in. Some you pull to raise the front, and some it's the back cord. I can never get it right first time. It's the USB port of soft furnishings. Lynn with one that's very relatable to us here. In terms of the address change, not the bailiffs. Lynn says, constant bailiffs at your house because the scummy pond life you bought the house off don't pay any of their bills and haven't bothered to update their address on anything three years later. Ooh, this really hurts. Lisa saying, I've just paid £1.25 for a Cadbury's cream egg in our subsidised work canteen. <laughs> you wouldn't pay that in like a flipping wakey wine style overprice shop. A pound for one. £1.25. In a subsidised cat, that is ridiculous. Ooh, I feel this one, this one's from Claire. When you stood in the general post office, two cashiers are in a mile-long queue. Someone getting holiday money in <laughs> And the cashier asks, would you like me to do you a quote for holiday insurance? Then the bloody bloke proceeds to tell her his entire life story, where he's been and what t activities he likes to do on holiday, like there isn't a queue a mile long. Just move aside, Kenneth. And finally for this week, an absolute blinder. This one comes in from William, said, I'm on one today, an old neighbour, never worked a day in her life, just pumped out kids for bants. As soon as one reached the age of schooling, she'd have another. But that's not my main rage here. She was 23 years old and didn't have a single tooth in her head. Through bad hygiene, she got a set of dentures on the NHS, didn't like the first set, so got another free set. That's still not my rage. The rage is after she got them, she still wouldn't wear them. When I questioned her why she wasn't using them, she said she was saving them for special occasions. Special occasions, I said. It's not like a hat, a tie or a handbag. It's effing teeth. Get some teeth in your head, woman. Dear me. Right, that wraps up Botty for this week. We'll have more of them on next week's episode. Alright guys, it's time for this week's big question. As you know, every single week we put the stink out in form of a question for about seven, eight days across social media asking you what the world's worst 
of a particular category is this week. The question was world's worst ice lolly slash ice cream. We got an awful lot of answers in. Some of them I was bemused by. I was thinking, have you misread that? Did you think I said best? Absolutely baffling answers, some of them. But anyway, the way it runs right now is we're going to run through some of the answers. I'm going to collate the numbers involved. And then we are going to bring you what is officially the world's worst ice cream slash ice lolly. Okay, so some of the answers we've got in are mint cornetto. Yeah, I don't understand that. Mint with ice cream is is mental. It's mental because they don't get the mint flavour quite right, do they? It's a bit toothpastey whenever they bring it out in any form of a cheaper end ice cream. Uh, We have the fab. A lot of people saying that this thing gets a lot of big ups and it's absolutely disgraceful. It can't decide whether it's a chocolate-based ice cream or an ice lolly. I get the sentiment. I get the sentiment. Uh, some of these answers, by the way, are to do with how much overhyping it gets rather than the low quality of the ice cream or ice lolly. Uh, we've got the Solero, but specifically for the fact that it tends to come off the stick before you even manage to get it in your mouth. I've had that experience. Fair dues. Uh, we got a lot of sacrilegious answers saying that the fruit passed the lolly. Fruit passed the lolly is absolutely incredible. Some of you have lost your minds. Uh, where are we? We got answers for the rocket lolly. The rocket lolly is a staple. Let me tell you, listen, I respect your opinions, but the rocket lolly is a staple of the uh, the working class freezer. Okay? It's absolutely amazing. I've been furious lately, by the way. Got really into it. Have you seen the sour ice lollies? The sour rocket lollies that they sell at Tesco? Oh, do you? I mean, we must have been going through two boxes a week during the summer, and they've just disappeared on the build-up to Christmas, about November time. I understand you sell less ice products, maybe, during the winter. They've disappeared, I assume. They'd come back in January. Oh, they haven't, like. Oh, they flipping haven't, like. Uh, we've got a lot of answers for funny feet, and the, the beef seems to be not necessarily the flavour, but the fact that who the hell wants to be licking a foot? Well, I tell you, there's a specific category of people that are very much in the idea of licking feet. Yeah, the pervs, they need to sign the register. But, you know, they're out there. They're out there, guys. Foot fetishists, if I can spit me words out. Absolutely everywhere. Some of the other answers we got for world's worst. Mini milk. Yeah, they're pretty disgraceful, I'll be honest. I don't know what it is about them that seems off. It's like it's dairy, so it should be an ice cream, but it's not. It's an ice lolly. It's mixed with full-on ice. Bizarre thing. Um, Yeah, I've got a whole bunch of answers here, guys. Uh, But I'm going to go through a couple more, and then I shall let you know what the world's worst ice cream slash ice lolly is. Okay, I'll just give you a rundown. We got an absolute stack for the knobbly bobbly. It's, it's essentially artexing on the outside of an ice cream. It's pebble dashing. It's confectionery based pebble dashing on the outside of an ice lolly. Uh, we got loads for fruit splits. I'm not sure I know what they are. Uh, we got plenty for the fab. We got, oh my gosh. I mean, again, this is sacrilege. The lemonade lolly, that is a staple. How dare you besmirch its name like that? Uh, we also got an absolute stack for the screwball. You know that... That weird, almost cylindrical, but kind of triangular at the same time. I don't know. What is that shape? I don't know what that shape is. It's like umbrella-shaped when it's closed. Uh, Ice cream with a couple of nasty few years old bits of uh, chewing gum balls in the top. Plenty of votes for that. 
so I'll go away now and I will add up the answers and we will let you know what is the world's worst, officially, by the way, according to this podcast at least, world's worst ice cream slash ice lolly. Right, like I said, I've seen way too many saying things like fruit past lolly, you need locking up the lot of you. That is a disgraceful target for your worst. Right, so the ones with the most, after a, a calculation, are fab lollies, rocket lollies, mini milks, uh, knobbly bobblies starred heavily, screwballs starred very heavily, and fruit splits. But by far, according to the majority of the uh, re- correspondence we got back, worst ice cream slash ice lolly by a country mile is the supermarket choc ice. That's right, the choc ice is officially the worst ice cream slash ice lolly known to man. Okay, there we go. You know now, don't you? If you're out there, you're out in the supermarket, you're thinking, oh, you know what, we've had to turn up the seat, set up to heating a bit to keep our feet warm, but as a result, we're a bit dry mouth. You know, you know, give especially, according to some of these answers, the supermarket own brand shock ices a massive miss. Right, ladies and gents, boys and girls, that concludes this week's episode of Disproportionate Podcast. We will be back next week, well, about Friday again, I'd imagine. Like I say, we're in a couple of days late this week. But uh, yeah, stick around if you're not following, subscribed fully on uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen. Do that, absolutely helps out. But other than that, I'll see you guys around this time next week, okay? Ta-ta. <laughs>